Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Indout Show. Uh, we got a fantastic program today. We're talking all about... Oh, that's weird. Oh, Dr. John's phone. We... Uh, Michelle's the only one who knows that number. Let me, let me just make sure she's okay. Hello? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, okay, okay. Slow down, slow down. Oh, oh, wow. Uh, um, uh, we're, we're, just, we're just about to record uh, an episode. Is there any way you could hold it? Okay, okay, I'm on my way. Hey, welcome to In Doubt. This is Daniel Markin, a former host of In Doubt. And I'm joined by a former host of In Doubt as well, Isaac Dagenau. How you doing, Isaac? I'm doing just fine. Thanks, Daniel. It's good to see you. Um, what's unique about this, and I'll have you introduce yourself in a minute, but typically Andrew Marcus would be the one recording this. Andrew Marcus is the one doing the interviews. Andrew Marcus is the face of In Doubt Ministries. However, Isaac and I have dabbled a little bit in the past in, in being the face of in-doubt ministries. And uh, however, right now, Andrew's about to have a baby. In fact, right. at the time of this airing, his wife might be in labor. They might be having a baby. And so he reached out to us to say, hey, you guys are former um, in-doubt employees, hosts, yeah. friends of the show. He said, why don't you guys record something? We said, sure. We want to help a brother out. <laughs> And here we are. And we don't have too much of an agenda today. So why don't no. we start this? Isaac, tell us a little bit about who you are, maybe yeah. how long you work for InDoubt or mm -hmm. alongside InDoubt, and then um, what you're doing now. Yeah, 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 for sure. Thanks, Daniel. No, and that's exciting for Andrew. So Andrew, when you, when you do get a chance to listen to this, uh, congratulations. This is really exciting. Both, uh, I mean, you're already a, a dad, Andrew, of two. Now you're having your third. And Daniel and I are well aware of all the uh, craziness that can come with it. So it's exciting. Yeah. So my name is Isaac Dagno and I was with In Doubt from 2014 to 2018. Uh, and yeah, I went through a lot of different changes. It started as mostly this kind of app, uh, weekly app that uh, kind of a neat idea there. Then it sort of transitioned into the podcast in 2015, I believe it was. And we started sort of the podcast route, weekly podcast. So it was great. Like I, my, my, um, experience on InDoubt was just, was just awesome to be able to hear from, uh, lack of a better term, you know, kind of Christian experts on various, uh, subjects from around the world to be able to talk to them about, uh, cultural issues, uh, biblical doctrines, whatever it may be, uh, to kind of help our listeners grasp, grapple a little bit more with different things. So what I like about InDoubt is that it's not fixed on one specific little thing. It's, it takes, it tackles so much, you know, whether it's, uh, sexuality stuff, whether it's addiction, whether it's, you know, getting into doctrines of, you know, election or whatever. It's like, let's just get into it uh, because these are things that hit us as young people. I mean, both Daniel and I here were both uh, younger and both, I'm sure, Daniel, you could also say like, by the time you're 16, 17, like these issues are, are big issues and you have to like struggle yeah. through them. You so got to struggle through them and you eventually, I mean, you got to find an answer to them. Totally. And that was, yeah. you know, that was why I joined on to In Doubt. I thought, hey, this is a, you know, it was, it, the opportunity was put my way uh, to be a part of this. And I thought, you know, because this is a, a podcast, but also a radio show, yeah. this is being sent out across Canada. Who knows yeah. who's going to hear it? And I, totally. I thought, you know, couldn't the Lord use that? Like, 
if someone was driving late one night and they flip on the radio and they hear young adults talking about, you know, to experts uh, about issues in the faith, I thought, yeah. you know, what kind of impact could that have? And so yeah. that's why I got involved and it's been great ever since. And you're right. We got to talk to some awesome people. Uh, Andrew's talking to some awesome people right now. I love the, you know, the full emphasis on video they're doing right now, mm-hmm. which that's a change too. And a shift from all the years of totally, you know, there was times where I was literally doing calls, but it was like a radio show. It wasn't a video. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And so I remember talking with people and you feel like you're talking over them and, yeah, and yeah, yeah. you know, everything's cut. Like this has come so far. Even the software we're using to record this now is, is yes. outstanding. So yes, um, I know. Yeah. It's been fun. And you're pastoring now. Yes. Yeah. So, so when I left in doubt, it was because uh, an opportunity came at a local church in my hometown. And uh, I always felt the, the, yeah, whatever you want to call it, the calling um, to do local church ministry. So it all worked out. And so it was a really good uh, transition from back to the Bible. And even after I, in 2018, when I went full time into pastoral uh, ministry, uh, the guys, the team at Back to the Bible, they and in doubt, they we still did stuff together. So I was still kind of doing different things. And even now, like here I am again on in yep. doubt. And it's it's great to be able to support Andrew, obviously, and to support this ministry. So it's it's all good. And what about you, Daniel? Why don't you share a little bit about uh, just a little bit about where you're at? Because you used to be here. When I say here, yeah. I mean on the West Coast. Now you're in over in the fields. Um, yeah, I'm out in the prairies. So <laughs> yeah. I'm. Uh, I, I always joke with people. I'm the first of many. Yeah. Uh, I have people all the time asking me, hey, so how is Saskatchewan? How is it? I'm like, do you want to buy a house? Yeah, yeah, Do you exactly. want to have a family? Exactly. It's yeah. great. <laughs> and uh, it's it's really beautiful. I, I really like it out here. The people are salt to the earth people. Uh, affordability is huge. And uh, there is an amazing opportunity for the gospel here as well. So mm-hmm. I was working at a church in Abbotsford for a bit and then a church downtown Vancouver. And then my wife and I had twins. And maybe if people listened to the show before, they would know. Uh, I've shared a little bit about that and shared about that shift, but her family's out here in Saskatchewan. We figured, well, maybe this is the time we make yeah. that shift um, for our family. And so one thing's led to another. I took a government paternity leave. I opened a coffee shop and, a, and like a coffee bar. And now I'm currently serving as the director of marketing at Briarcrest College and Seminary. Yeah. As you can see here, I got my Briarcrest Yeti. Yeah, come on. <laughs> everyone can see. But it's it's interesting how the Lord moves people around the world. Like, I never envisioned being in Saskatchewan. No, Truthfully, no. I always kind of viewed BC as like, I want to be in BC. I want to be in a major city. And I tell you what, the Lord can, he can just warm your heart to other things. Yeah, absolutely. And he did. And, and he honestly warmed my heart to the prairies. I wouldn't have chosen to come here. Yeah. It was foreign to me. Um, but my heart warmed to it. And yeah. then being here has been amazing. And that's so good. Just, you know, day by day, you begin to see, okay, here's how the Lord could use me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He can use me here at this, at Briarcrest College. You know, there's the high school academy, the seminary. There's so many ways I can get involved here yeah. and be serving. And so, you know, it, even just speaking to the fact of trusting the, the Lord with the, the, even the, like, the huge details of your life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like we, we can talk about the big details or, or the small details, but. There are things that you don't foresee coming that he draws you to and brings you to. Yeah. And I would say he drew my wife and I here. Like there was just a a warming. That's the best way I could say. Like my heart was warm to it. So that's so good. um, That's so good. Yeah, unique. So now I think there's a lot of people 
across Canada within doubt because I know, or with with Back to the Bible at least, because there's people yeah. in Ontario and BC. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. absolutely. You know, so it's it's great to be a part of that. So good. Um, so good. Why don't we chat a little bit about life and faith and and some of our stories? You know, swap stories about how we've seen the gospel move through people and uh, you know evangelism. We could talk about transformation and maybe let's start with transformation. You know, Andrew gave us some questions. We can work through some of those. But I was wondering, you know, we'll start with this one. Can you share a personal testimony or a significant moment where you and your ministry uh, have seen the transformative power of the gospel in someone's life? Yeah, yeah, that's 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 good. It, maybe a way to even begin this is like, how how does the gospel actually transform? Um, yeah. Like there is a obviously a supernatural element. Like there is a receiving of the Holy Spirit as a seal, you know, unto the day of redemption. Like there is a transformative reality. Um, but I also think it's important to realize that the that I think the core. Maybe you can speak into this too, Daniel. But the core of the transformative power of the gospel is the hope that we have. And I think about the beginning of Colossians, like when Paul tells the church in Colossae you know, about their faith and their love, he bases it on the hope that they received from hearing the gospel. Mm -hmm. So the transformation of their lives to now being all their faith in this Jewish guy named Jesus and this amazing abundant love that they have for everybody in their church is based on and rooted in this newfound hope that they have. And I think it's just important. It's a new kind of way that I've sort of being able to understand some of the transformative power of the gospel is that it's not maybe necessarily all rooted in some sort of more or less kind of ambiguous thing that changed inside of me, although that's true, but it really is based on a hope that I now have um, in in what the blood of Jesus has done and what it's going to do on the day of the Lord when the judgment comes and the restoration of all things happens. Um, so that's really, really powerful. So when I think about the transformative power of the gospel, what immediately comes to mind, or one of the immediate ones that come to mind are my own parents. And like, yeah. uh, just very, very briefly, like my dad grew up in Northern BC and he grew up in a home that was strongly Jehovah's witness Okay. and uh, very strong Jehovah's witness. So he grew up in that kind of lifestyle. Now, if you don't know much about Jehovah's witnesses, um, I mean, it's too much to get into all right now, uh, but it is a, a heretical sect, you could say, of of Christianity that uh, have some major um, uh, false false teachings that mess up the hope of the gospel. So he grew up in that, and when he was about 19, he left because in his particular, now I, I know this isn't the case for every single Jehovah's Witness, and if you are listening and you are a Jehovah's Witness, then I'm not saying that this this uh, describes every single Jehovah's Witness, but his specific family and community was very cold and um, there was not a lot of love. Now, that's not for everybody, but um, every Jehovah's Witness, but in that case it was. So when he was like 18 or 19, he just left and he just lived a party life. He just went to Vancouver and you would think after growing up with Jehovah's Witnesses, seeing the coldness of like whatever quote unquote religion, now going and living sort of the life in with kind of freedom, this faux freedom, like how on earth would he come to saving faith? But he did in the, in the, like the mid to late eighties when he met my mom, both of them were not religious or even interested. And one day they walk into first Baptist church in downtown Vancouver. Yeah. Downtown and Vancouver. Uh, yeah, the back in 80, 
86 or 87. And that particular Sunday, the pastor went on, and this is sort of a, a plug for the importance of apologetics. This pastor went on sort of a little rant, not a rant, but just a little explanation of the historical evidence of the resurrection. And I mean, Daniel, you, you're, you're, you, you know, Andy Steiger well, Politics Canada. So mm-hmm. you and I would both know like some of those major things, like the fact that women were the first ones to to talk about the the resurrection, the fact that, you know, 500 people saw him and all these different things. There's all these different kind of uh, reasons. And they, my parents were sitting there like looking at each other saying, whoa, 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 this, is, this could actually be true. Like the resurrection of Jesus, which we always thought was just so foolish, could actually be true. And that was the beginning of the, of the work. And they were transformed, absolutely transformed, my parents. So I grew up mm-hmm. in a home, because then they got married after that. I grew up in a home where the gospel had really done something to two people that would have never, like, there's no way. They were living in Vancouver in the darkest city, you could say, in many ways, just so much uh, sin and whatever. And God transformed them. The hope of the gospel transformed them. And I grew up in that environment. And uh, so anyways, that, that's what it comes to mind. Like, that, that is a, that's a personal testimony because I'm their offspring of, of the gospel really transforming um, two people. But what about yourself? I would love to hear. Yeah. From well, you. I was going to make two comments just on your parents' story. Um, one, which is so amazing. And, you know, we get people all the time who are listening to the show who are new to the faith. And totally. it's funny, like you, you come to faith in Christ and you can know like literally nothing about yeah, the Bible. Yeah. It's wild. And, and, and some of those people are some of the most excited people about the scriptures that like um, you'll ever meet. Like totally. I, I'll meet people here at Briarcrest who um, they're new to the faith. They're like, God saved me. And yeah. I came here because I want to learn and and learn the Bible. Yeah. Like yeah. teach me the Bible. I can go Amen. here and Amen. learn and be taught, right? So yeah. um, there's, it's not about where you start. It's about where you finish. And I was thinking about hope because um, when when we talk about hope that, and, and transforming power of the gospel, there is obviously the Lord on his side of things, sanctifying us, transforming yep. us slowly, right? That's a lifelong process. There's our side of things where we're trying to live out our faith every day, wrestling yep. with things, uh, going through suffering, going through joyous times of celebration. Um, but what keeps us solid in those hard times is that future hope. Amen. Is is we're always looking towards it. So it's um, just to tag on what you're saying, because of that hope is the reason why Christians continue and persevere yeah, that's is so because good. they they have something to persevere towards, which is Christ yeah, and him eternal. And the fact that even if it's not okay in this life, it will be one day. Yeah, And so oh, it's interesting. It. You can get the, like, it's the same for the newest Christian. They have eternal yeah. hope. And then as you go longer in your life as a Christian, that hope becomes even greater because yeah. you've grown in that depth Amen. and it's so much more rich and so yeah. much more um, exciting. Like it's, and that doesn't happen... Uh, it, we think it happens so quickly. A lot of the Christian faith is just slow living, and it and slowly you look back on your life, you're like, "Wow, I know so much, and I, I yeah. God is so amazing, and I did not know that about Him yet, but now I see it." Yeah, yeah. Um, amen, amen. Which is so good. And the other thing I was thinking about your parents' story is uh, so often we can consider you, you can think like I'm free, I, the freedom, I can do whatever yeah, I yeah. want, right? Like I I can I can do anything. You know, I, I think it's. In First Corinthians, where Paul is, he's using that as a slogan. Yeah, I think it was the All Corinthian slogan. Yeah. All things are lawful. I can do what I want. Yeah. Like, like I'm a free person. 
And but he'll say not everything is beneficial. Yep, I can do anything I want, but not things. Not everything's not going to help you. And that is true of life. Like you can turn to drinking, and you think you're free until you realize that it owns you. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's like you're addicted to it. Right. Or even with with drugs, and it's not enough. You go, and then all of a sudden you think you're you own it, and then it owns you. Yeah. Right. You you can. That's right. That's right. There's every vice does that. Right. It doesn't have to be. Uh, just drinking drugs, but you could you could apply it to pornography. You could apply that to eating. Yeah, you think that right. you like or the worship of self. If people get the wrong, they're going to the gym for the wrong reasons. Yeah, yeah. Right. It owns them because it's it's this fear of not being strong enough, good looking enough that owns yeah. them. That's right. And that's right. So are you really free? Yeah, that's good. In- it, that's that's so good, Daniel. And just to maybe someone's listening right now and. And maybe you're not a believer and maybe you are like listening to Daniel and me talk about this idea of freedom and you're just arguing with us because you're like, no, I am free. I'm not bound by the confines of religion and all this kind of stuff. But just understand this point. This is this really helped me understand the essence of the freedom I have in Christ. That's just a fancy way to say the freedom that I have as a Christian um, is this. The marriage is... Biblically speaking, it is a metaphor of, of our relationship with God in the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um and when I think about marriage, it, I, it's the most freeing, one of the most freeing relationships in the sense that um, since I'm married, since I have a covenant with my wife, her name is Brittany, she's amazing, because I have this covenant of marriage with her, I can go out to work, go out, whatever, do my thing. I can be hated. I can be rejected. I could be spat on. I could lose my job. I could, all of these things happen and always know through all of it that I can go home and have someone that loves me and cares for me. I am absolutely free from having all of those other situations determine my feelings and determine the facts of who I am because of my covenant with my wife. And it's so freeing. I can go out and have the worst day possible and not be affected by any of it in the fullest sense. Obviously, I'm a human. I'm still going to be sad and different things like that. But I can go home and have uh, a wife that loves me and cares for me. It's the same thing with the Lord. In our relationship with Jesus, nothing can... I mean, I love some of the early church and they're they're martyrs. They're like like being, uh, you know, uh, burned to death. And they're just... The confidence that comes out of them is like, sure, you can do whatever you want with me, but my hope is in the Lord. How free is that? They're not bound to anything. They're absolutely free. So I just want to encourage yeah. you if you're listening and you're arguing with us saying, no, 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 I'm free because I'm not bound by religion. No, no, no. Don't think of it that way. Like if you become in covenant with Jesus Christ, who is your groom and you're married to him, you are free from everything that this world is going to throw at you. Yeah. yeah. And and there's another thing that we uh, misrepresent freedom. Like, like sometimes good freedom actually has restrictions on it. Yeah, and, totally. And there's discipline that comes with that. Because if you yeah. think back to your marriage metaphor, if you went out and were just an awful husband, sure. right? Slandering your wife, um, you know, like, and then you came back and, and you weren't living in a way that was honoring or loving to her, right? That, that's not going to feel, it's not going to be a healthy marriage, yeah. right? Um, it's not going to feel freeing when you're with her. There's not going to be that relationship. The other th- image I've heard of this is when you see, some of the most professional musicians in the world. Imagine you go and see, you go downtown New York City and there's a guy, mm-hmm. a solo act performing violin, right? They, Or if you see a professional playing the piano and you see them playing with absolute freedom, you're like, how do they get that good? Well, it's through years and years and years and years yeah. of discipline yeah, that's right. and, and 
like the shackles of religion, right? But they, it's through that knowing what the bounds are and being completely free within that. That's good. And then as I understand Christianity, it's not about withholding you from pleasure. It's actually about orienting pleasure and, and enjoyment That's good. to the things that actually will help you flourish. Amen. So the things yep. that don't leave you empty, like, yep. you know, if you want to talk about sex, a loving covenant relationship with your wife. Yes. Right. Um, in, in the covenant of marriage with us, with your spouse, yes. the way God designed it, it's going to be filling. It's going to fill you up. There's no taking. Yes. There's giving and enjoyment. And it's, that's right. That is flourishing. So yes. Amen. Within even the, 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 yeah. Oh, the borders, you know, the, the Bible says that I can't sleep around with who I want to, right. That yeah, I'm yeah, only yeah. supposed to be with one person, but do you know why? Yeah. It's yeah. because when you do that, you actually will feel more free as you live out the design totally. of God. Amen. And I mean, yeah. from the very get-go, like I, I was just looking for an exodus. I can't find it off the top of my head, but I'll have to find it. But when Moses is teaching the parents to set up like altars and whatever and do these festivals for the sake of their kids, and when the kids ask, why are we doing this? Then the parents can explain. And in one of those contexts, you have Moses basically saying like all of the laws that God has given is is not to like harm us. It's actually to cause us to flourish. And when you think about it really simply, like even look at the Ten Commandments, even some of the most practical ones, like don't kill, don't commit adultery. Like these are really healthy. Like if we yeah. all lived by these, we would flourish. So yeah. I love that. I love the idea of our reorienting, like orienting ourselves to that life of flourishing. And that's what God wants. So anyways, that's a good little mm -hmm. side thing on freedom. That was good. Yeah, that was good. So let me tell you my story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, this is a, a childhood friend of mine who I love dearly. Uh, he's one of my best friends. And his life is a testimony uh, of the gospel transformation. So, you know, he grew up going to church, grew up non nominally. Um, and, you know, he would come to youth. we go to youth together. And I think for a long time he would call himself a Christian. He was baptized. And, you know, we, we I bet... I remember being at a Hillsong concert and seeing him with his arms raised and, and mm. enjoying worship, the worship of God. And then just slowly began to drift away from that. And mm. um, the girl he was dating at the time, who's now his wife, uh, wasn't a, a believer. And, and their lives became, you know, I think further and further away from, from God. And uh, at the time, you know, I was going off to college, come back, we'd be spending time together. And there came a point where they were living together and, and they wanted to get married. And I had a really, they, you know, there was a good chance that I was going to be invited and potentially even involved in the wedding. And I felt really conflicted about that because totally. yeah. here's my friend who said he was a Christian living with his girlfriend. They love each other. They're committed to each other, but still they were living in sin. And I, and I, and I told him, I said, do you know, I struggle like, the, the way you're living right now, I don't know if I can, if you're calling yourself a Christian, you're not like, and yeah, I asked yeah. him straight up. I said, are you actually a believer? Like, um, you know, like, and he was very honest. He said, no, he's like the way I'm living now, I wouldn't say I'm a Christian. Yeah. Right. And it was like the most honest answer because it was like, well, good. Now I, I know how to kind of approach you. You know, you know, I don't have to like be, yeah. um, calling you towards either like repentance, like I had been. Yeah, right? that's right. Now that's it's right. like, okay, now I can call you towards faith uh, and, and you know, ultimately true repentance. But it, it was like, you're, you're a non-believer. I'm going to treat you like someone who doesn't believe. 
Yeah. And so uh, that was a big moment in our friendship. It was hard because um, I had expressed like, if your girlfriend's not a Christian, your fiance's not a Christian, you are, that's going to be difficult. And I'm, that's, that's hard for me to, it's going to be hard on you. Yeah. And so there was tension there because of that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they got married. I was able, I went to the wedding and was able to be there. And, uh, the Lord began to really work in their hearts and, yeah. and transform them. And they became, they got super involved. Both of them got yeah. involved in church and yeah. both got involved serving. Wow. And, uh, recently they had, uh, well, a crazy, crazy pregnancy where my, my wife and I had triplet girls. They also had triplet girls. Wow. Um, my wife and I, early on in the pregnancy, we actually lost one. Hmm. And uh, they, after 259 days in the hospital, they lost one of their little babies. Um, wow. This beautiful little girl who who is, you know, fighting, 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 the strongest little girl you ever see. And the Lord took her home. Wow. And because of what Elise and I had gone through uh, with our girls and the crazy traumatic pregnancy of having twins and then them being born at 33 weeks, yeah. the fact that, well, okay, here's what's wild. Um, uh, what I was going to say is we knew what they were going through. We knew what a lot of those meetings were and how difficult and trying that is, but we had never had to go to the hospital, like our girls in the hospital for two and a half months. Yeah. Uh, so, cause they were born at 33 weeks, but we didn't have one that was still in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Right. And brought the other two home and having to have surgeries. But here's two childhood friends who lived five doors down from one another. Mm-hmm. Both their wives conceived spontaneous triplet girls. <laughs> That's crazy. Both women deliver on 33 weeks to the day. Wow. So I, I, I want to ask somebody one day, what's the probability of that? Yeah. And and so anyways, their little baby passed uh, and I was able to go to the funeral and I and I, I was actually honored that he asked me to speak at the funeral. And because of, you know, we've been in close contact and we've been talking a lot because, you know, with them and grieving with them and celebrating with them when there was joys and crying with them when there was sorrow. And um, I asked the question, I said, what are the odds of that? I said, there's only two explanations. One is uh, there was this little pond behind the for in the forest where we used to play. Yeah. <laughs> and there was like this stagnant pool of water and, you know, our foot might've fallen in one too many times <laughs> and uh, you know, something in the water or two, I said, there's God is, is intimately involved in that. Yeah. Amen. That's good. I tell that story because um, his the what they went through, but the hope that they had at the same time, like the Lord sustained them. He's been transforming them. Um, I, I don't know how without God people could go through something like that, and yet yeah, they did. Right. And their church surrounded them, and and they grieved, and they're sad yet joyful because mm-hmm. we know in the scriptures that they will see that child again. And I, yeah, and I shared good. that and like, it was, um, th- that was an example of someone who had walked away from a t- for a time, mm-hmm. Lord drew them back and his wife, him back yeah, and his wife. That's good. And then just has done a, a, a refining work in them Amen. and, and been so near to them. And, and like, anyways, it, that's, that's an example of a story where this, you'll see it as you pay attention. Maybe it's your own life where you're like, wow, the Lord's transformed me. But yeah, you know, we yeah. look around and we say, the gospel was displayed in my friends right there. Yes. It, yes. Jesus, nearness, love, power, um, all of that was there. It, it's just, 
it was amazing transformation yeah. I've seen in their lives and I thank the Lord for them. Yeah, that's I, awesome, yeah. Daniel. That's so good. Yeah, but it's, it's cool as we go through life, we see some of that. Um, man, we're, we're running out of time here. We got to keep moving Let's through go. Some, some of these Let's, questions. Well, the, I, I was uh, thinking maybe, maybe a, a kind of a transition would be like yeah. the gospel, as you and I know, and people listening will know as well, those, at least those that are believers, like it's evident that the hope of the gospel, and like you said too, the transfer, the the sanctifying, this fancy word of just like the Holy Spirit changing you, that work mm-hmm. of the gospel is true. And it's it can be hard, but it's also amazing. And like you see in your friend's life, like I saw in my, well, I didn't see it all in my parents' life because I was born later, but now I know my parents' life, like it's amazing. I'm so grateful for it. So I guess the question is, is the gospel just for us to enjoy, but there has to be a transition point or a uh, sort of a bridge from, okay, but now we are to speak of it and yeah. to, to, to witness it. And uh, I know we don't have a tons of t- ton of time left, but I think it might be kind of neat just for you and I to briefly chat a little bit about the, the importance and the call that every single believer had now has, not just to enjoy the benefits of the gospel, but to, to press on in the world. Yeah. Um, to share this, to testify. Yeah. Do you know, I'm, I'm, so there's always two things that I've been taught when it's like, when we're talking about sharing the gospel, one is you got to proclaim it. So you have to say it that yeah, you believe yeah. you got to tell people about it. You also got to live it. Yeah. Amen. So it's the three P's. The, the, the Christian life is professed. Yeah. It's practiced and it's persevering. Yeah, so we must profess it outwardly. Yeah. We believe tell people, we share, we practice it. That's how our, we live our lives. And we persevere um, through the hard times. And that demonstrates. And I think, you know, you mentioned Colossians. One of my favorite passages from the, you know, the first chapter in, the, in Colossians is when Paul says, I'm filling up in the afflictions lacking in Christ, mm-hmm. which is a, a, a weird phrase because we think, well, on the cross, didn't Christ achieve and accomplish yeah. all things. Like, didn't right. he, 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 it is finished, he said. So why is Paul saying that there was something lacking in, in Christ? And what he means by that is Christ has done his work here on earth. He has sent his Holy Spirit, but Christ has now ascended to heaven. Mm-hmm. Who is to now proclaim and profess the, the gospel? It's us yeah. with yeah, the help of the right. Holy Spirit. And the afflictions we face our, our suffering sometimes is the greatest uh, professor yeah. and practicer Amen. of the gospel is, is suffering. Yeah. And so as I think about, I share the story about my friends, right? That the gospel was professed and practiced through their suffering, through some of the deepest suffering of losing a child. Yeah. Um, and so that is... An interesting thing I always think about with with that passage in Colossians. Yeah, I don't know if yeah. that kind of was what you're meaning by that, but why don't you share a little bit about what you think about when we think about professing the gospel? Yeah, no, no, I think that's great, and I, it's it, it's true. Like I, I think it's interesting that especially in light of that passage that Paul says in 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 Colossians. Thank you for that explanation. That's good. Mm. Um, is that so, some of some of our listeners might know that the word for witness in in the Greek is this is the word martyr. Same word. And I, I just think that's 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 fascinating. Not because we are to read that and think, okay, if I'm going to be one that testifies, that professes the truth of the gospel, I'm going to be a martyr. That's not, I don't think that's the purpose of why that word is that word. Um, but 
if we remember back to when Jesus, you know, calls those that would like to follow him, he says, you need to deny yourself, pick up your cross daily and follow me. And what I think is important, just like Paul's life, if you look at Paul's life in Acts and look at Jesus's life, it's kind of weirdly symmetric, like weirdly comparative. Like they just, Mm -hmm. they do the same thing. They are falsely accused. They go to the highest court and then they die. Well, we don't see Paul die in Acts, but we know in history that he did under Nero. Mm -hmm. And basically this idea of picking up your cross is you're you're picking up this, the life of Jesus. And the life of Jesus that when we say that like that in the gospels is not, it's the, it's the life of Jesus pre-glory. It's pre-glory. Glory is to come. And so the life of Jesus is shaped like a cross. I remember reading a book saying it's like, when we follow Jesus, it's going to be a cruciform life mm-hmm. until the day of the Lord comes and, or until we die. It's going to be a cruci- it's going to be a, a cross shaped life. And, and we shouldn't expect anything less like that's, that's going to be, or more like that's it. It's a cruciform life. It's going to be a life of suffering. And it's amazing that when you see, like I was, our church is going through the, uh, the gospel of Acts, Acts, and uh, you have like Peter and John, uh, you know, right there in, in Acts chapter three, after the healing of the crippled man. And this is a sign towards, uh, to the power of the name of Jesus. And they go to prison and it says right after they go to prison, they're arrested that, that tons of people heard the message, tons of people believed. And now the amount of disciples went up to 5,000 people. So their suffering, which later on they rejoice because they count, they were counted worthy to suffer with Christ, mm-hmm. their suffering produced, you could say, so much, um, so much salvation. So many people were able to understand the truth of who Jesus is in light of that day to come, and and I love that. That's a, that's just an amazing um, picture. To understand that it's part of our witness is going to be that um, we, we. I think it's important that we. Realize, actually, I have this written down from a book that I was reading. Um, this is what the uh, the author says: Those who would follow Jesus and proclaim Him as Judge of the living and the dead must be prepared to die for their faith. And that's where we get that reality of witness and martyr being the same word. And then he mm-hmm. says, not all will die as martyrs, of course, but all must embrace martyrdom at a heart level. And yeah. and I think you know, I, one last thing I'll say, and then I want to hear your thoughts, Daniel, um, is that if if the gospel is a little bit unclear in us. It's a little bit ambiguous. Um, then it's going to be really hard to like die or have that sense of I'm going to die for this message if it's a little bit unclear. Um, and I think it's just important. Maybe, maybe, but before we finish today, I think it'd be really good just to sort of share the gospel yeah. in a really clear, simple way, just so we really know what this is. Because why would you die for something that you're kind of unsure about? Uh, but anyways, what are some of your thoughts about that idea of suffering and, and witnessing and martyrdom? Yeah, well, the first thing that jumps out to me is you mentioned, well, the Christian life is going to be a life of suffering. Yeah. I would argue that the secular life is going to be a life of suffering. Yeah, that's true. Like the, both the secular person and the Christian person are going to watch their families die. Yeah, they're going to right. lose friends. They're going to be betrayed. They're going to experience physical pain. That's a guaranteed for both. And yes, there might be more types of persecution and, and intentional suffering aimed to, towards Christians. But would you rather, and this comes back to hope, would you rather suffer with yeah. no hope or suffer with hope of the fact that one day it won't be so? That's like right. One day there won't be that the suffering. One day all will be made right. There, that is the, I, I often think about Peter's words when 
Jesus said something very controversial. A lot of people start to walk away from him. They're all being like, why'd you say that? And Jesus says, oh, you're going to go too? You're going to go away with them? Why don't you leave with them? Yeah. And Peter, you know, whether he said it kind of dumbfoundedly, just that he's like no filter and just saying how he feels in the moment, or it was he was very certain of it. Peter says, to whom shall we go? Yeah. Where? You hold the keys of truth and life. Yeah. Like, where else would I go? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. am I just going to go to to back to my dark room and just sit in the darkness to nothingness? Yeah, that's good. Because it's all pointless? What? Yeah. Why? Um, and so I, I think about that all the time. I'd rather suffer with hope. Um, the other thing. Oh, I lost it. Dang okay, it. that's okay. <laughs> I love when that happens. There was two. Really. I know. There I, was two. You know, it's the worst though. It's when it happens on and when you're doing a show. Um, suffering with. Oh, I. Dang it's it. Gone. You know, it's, it's, it's not as bad as saying, cause there's three things I want to say. And then you say two things and you just move on. That way you can know people, that people, uh, didn't remember. Okay. You know, how are people really paying attention? Exactly. I guess that happens. You said there'd be two points. That is one of the funny things actually is, um, you know, with preaching and doing stuff is afterwards, you probably feel this all the time. I come off the stage, look at my notes. I cannot believe I missed that. I know. I missed an entire (laughs) point like, like my crystallized perfect lines like that i know and then I people know. come up to you and, and they have no idea yeah right no, and they're totally. just so like wow whatever you said the lord like really worked through me it's like You're like wow okay God or you might have said something completely wrong <laughs> oh, and then I they're know. like man like it was you're like i wish i could have said that better yeah and then they come yeah. up to you when you said that it was like it really spoke to me <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, yeah totally okay wow. one of the worst experiences i've ever had while preaching this little side thing people might think it's interesting is I was preaching from the book of Philemon and it's just one chapter. So I just did it all. And in my study of the book, I could not understand verse six. I think it's verse six. Let me make sure it is verse six. And, and maybe if you're listening and you get it, Daniel, if you know what this verse means, please tell me because I still don't understand. Uh, Yeah, it's verse six. Okay. Philemon verse six. And I, sort of fumbled to, and I went on stage and I was preaching because I had to preach it. Like pastor, I got to preach it. And I preached it. This is the worst feeling. I preached it as if I knew what it meant and I had no idea what it meant. And if it, it was this <laughs> weird mixture of like, why am I preaching with confidence? Like this feels almost hypocritical. Is this a sin? Like I was just like, it was the worst feeling ever to preach something that you don't have. Has that ever happened to you, Daniel? Or do you always know exactly what it is that you're preaching? <laughs> do you know what? I've... What's the Michael Scott line where he says, sometimes I start a sentence and I hope I find it along the way. <laughs> like I've, I've had a lot of those oh, where you're talking brutal. and you're like, I'm like, where am I? Yeah. And, totally. and I'm, what am I even saying? Um, you know what? I haven't, I don't think I've had that one happen, Okay, but I, I, I got the perfect, you know, you, like the, I've seen people and it's the perfect out. You just basically say, you say the line, you say, and nobody knows what that means. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. You know what? I need to use that. No one knows. That's right. No one no, knows what that means. Um, that's good. No, that, that's, that is funny. One of the things that, you know, funny story for me preaching is I've, um, when I was, you know, learning how to preach and they'd send us to other churches to practice and stuff. I've, no joke, been in my intro of my sermon, looked out in the audience and 
I have seen seven people with their eyes closed. <laughs> oh no, that is the <laughs> like, worst. I've had. And there's that probably before. forty people there. So what is that? Like almost you know a sixth of the congregation, oh. were, like all had their eyes shut. And it yes. was. I know I'm not going to be ageist. No, but they were a little older. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But the uh, you know it was not a good feeling. It was like oh, man, I'm going totally to have to really that. work. I know. And it's so funny because when you see even the one, even one person just kind of like, and it's not even like a full on gone. It's like the, yeah. like you can sense like they're going down. It's yeah. like, you just, you, you feel like, what do I do? Is this is terrible. This is terrible. You just keep going. You just keep reaching. Yeah. Um, I, I remember my crystallized point, by the way. Oh, good. Here we go. You were just describing the story that they were joyful to be uh, accounted as worthy of suffering for Christ. Yeah. Uh, I've heard one of my pastors said he was in Thailand one time. I think it was Thailand. It borders Laos. And there was a bunch of pastors who came across. Christianity is illegal in their country, but it wasn't in Thailand. And so they were able to come across and get instruction and then go back and leave. And so our pastor had flown over there and he was teaching just a bunch of pastors. Yeah. And he would say, you know, um, suffering is different in different places. Like the there... He would finish teaching, finish instruct, instructing them, you know, trying to, any way he can help these pastors who are just hungry for anything. Yeah. And afterwards they would, they would come and shake his hand and their hands would feel odd. He'd look down and they're missing fingers. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like their hands are missing fingers because they've been snapped off, cut off yeah. because of the gospel, because yeah. they've been trying to share and, and they've been ousted as Christians and punished for trying to teach yeah. about who Christ is. And yet they're so joyful at, at the opportunity to be able to serve and share. And while that's not necessarily the case that we're going to be martyrs here in Canada, although one day maybe, yep. um, the the same, the, you know, the, you mentioned the martyr of the heart yep, also right. applies because yep. are Amen. you willing to let your job die yeah. as a Christian? That's good. Like there are jobs where people, as soon as um, I've heard of this pastor in Toronto, he's got lots of young men in his church. And uh, all of them are terrified to share the gospel. Mm-hmm. They're like young, in their 20s, 30s, professional, um, working at a law firm, working at tech firms, like working their way up the ranks. These are the type of people you want proclaiming the gospel, and they don't. And he mm-hmm. asked them why, and basically they said, we notice that within six months, if, we're, if people find out we're a Christian, um, we don't have a job. Yeah. And they're not fired because they're Christians. Yeah. They are just the first ones let go. They yep, something right. doesn't work out, and they're the ones who are sent out. Yeah. They're the ones stuff's blamed on, and yeah. you know that's potentially what the persecution and martyrdom might look to those. Totally, um, that's helpful Canada. there. Yeah, I like that, Daniel. That's yeah. that's really helpful. And just a, another quick plug, and uh, they can leave this in or leave it out. But a great a great book um, to help with some of this stuff is called The Heavenly Man by uh, Brother Yun, Chinese Christian, and he's actually coming to Abbotsford uh, in May. I'm part of the leadership uh-huh. team to put that on. So uh, maybe we'll talk to Andrew more about that. But that would be a great place just to kind of get that encouragement because uh, he's definitely suffered for, for the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of the gospel, should we just kind of share? Because I know we're kind of getting time. Yeah. Do you want to? It was funny. I, I'd love to. I'll give you my um, little pitch. What I tell people when they say, what is the gospel? Okay. Um, I always describe it as this. The gospel is the good news of God's story through creation, which ultimately um, is manifested through the person of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And 
that or but to put it shortly, I would often ask people, "What's the gospel?" I'd say, "It's the good news of God's story." Yeah. And then from there, it helps me say, "Well, here's what it is. Here's the story, right?" Yeah. yeah. That and then it, you, I, I go from the creation, uh, fall, redemption, re, um, restoration, or recreation arc. Right. I'm able to yes. tell the gospel. Well, um, the the good news is that God created the heavens and the earth, all the creatures in it. He created you and me. He loves us deeply. Amen. Um, he wants relationship with us, but we we turned our back on him. We rejected that relationship mm-hmm. and we still do. And we willingly do so. We don't want anything to do with him. And and that relationship is, in, is broken uh, because of the fall, mm-hmm. right? Man turned against him. But through the Christ's redemption on the cross, he came, lived a sinless life as the incarnate son of God a life that we ought to have lived and then was wrongfully accused and murdered on the Roman cross uh, so that we could have salvation. Amen. And by that, all we have to do is say, I believe in what he did. I believe what he did was true and and real. And I don't understand it, but I, I, I deep down can't explain it. Yeah. But Jesus is who he said he was. And I believe that. Amen. And, and then ushering in will come a recreation. So we yeah. are recreated. We are a new creation yeah. uh, internally and, and gospel transforms us. But then he will, Jesus will come again. He'll usher in the new heavens and the new earth Amen. and full restoration recreation will happen. So that yeah. that's, as I understand the gospel, that, you know, Amen. but there's so many different ways to tell it. How do you oh, share yeah. it with people? No, that's, that's good. That's, that's good. And I was actually just thinking today, and I, I love how you emphasize the recreation part, because sometimes I think that can be lacking in our North American context. We just say, he died, and now when I die, I go to heaven, and I'll just bleed. But really, he came to die for us, so that when we die, we'll go to earth. It's just going to be a new earth. Uh, yeah. We're not going to be floating up in some sort of heavenly Greek kind of idea of clouds. It's going to be a new heavens and a new earth where we're going to be living with King mm-hmm. Jesus as the King of the world. And it's just, it's just amazing. So yeah, I, I, your, your gospel explanation was awesome. Awesome, Daniel. I think the hope is the fact that uh, this King of Israel has come 2000 years ago to basically do the work of the death and resurrection so that it's a sin offering. So that, so you call in your kind of uh, creation, fall, redemption. This is the redemption part. Like we can look mm-hmm. back on that and by faith, like you said, just believing in it, believing that his, blood forgives us of our sin is all that's needed so that when the day of the Lord comes, when that moment from this age to the age to come, because there's going to be, it's fixed. It says in Acts 17 that it's mm-hmm. a fixed day. When that day comes, we, you and I don't need to buckle in fear that we are going to experience the wrath of God because we've believed in the blood of Jesus to cover us um, yeah. of that, of that day. So it's, yeah. it's awesome. So we can live with joy and confidence knowing that when that judgment comes, uh, we're going to be judged faithful. We're going to be justified. That's the fancy word, right? And yeah. And walk into that new creation with with Christ. Absolutely, like they, I often have thought and and feared that time where it's like, you're you're. It's like the courtroom scene. Yeah. Oh, so totally. you're a Christian, right? You believe. Tell me why I should let you into heaven, right? Yeah, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're standing before them, and 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 just basically saying, you have you have no reason to send me. Yeah. But I plead the blood of Christ. Amen. Like, Amen. I believe what he did. <laughs> and yes. and I did my best in this life to try and live like that's true. Yeah. That's all I can yeah. do. I, I was baptized. I gave my money. I I, I tried to serve the need. I, I, I served my brothers and sisters in Christ. I, I, I did all I could uh, because I believe. And that's yeah. ultimately, um, but it's, it, it's, it sounds so simple. 
I know. Yeah. But it, what makes it so hard is the fact that we have to acknowledge and say we can't do it. Yeah. So it's it's kind of backwards. You you get in by uh like it's not like you get in because you're you're because uh, Jesus did the group project for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. <laughs> right? And you're like, yeah, "Well, yeah. I believe in what he did." Yeah. And um that's and so, it. you know, it's an amazing thing. And then, yeah. yeah, because, sorry, like, and what we say with the gospel, oftentimes we'll say, you know, explain the gospel. People will say, well, Jesus, Jesus died for my sins. That's true. But I often like using the creation, fall, redemption, recreation, because yeah. uh, it's more than just he died for my sins. I, yeah, I think it's right. helpful to, for me to be able to explain the story. That's good. That's good. You know, a grander scope, but. Yeah, that's, um, that's so you know, good. You mentioned the we get to see our brothers and sisters again and friends and family. And, um, you know, we lost a little baby. I believe that we'll see Amen. that little baby. Amen. Absolutely. And I said at my friend's funeral, um, I, I said to him, you know, um, I believe that you're going to see your baby one day and you know, like that, that child's walking with Christ and, and is waiting for you now to come join. And I said, I, uh, I believe that, um, your baby, you know, your little girl probably lives five houses down from mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Except this time, the streets are of gold in the realm of Amen. our Savior, and God, it was so good. Yeah, just so, so hopeful. Um, it is. So, you know, there you go. Here's a there's a discussion for you. That was awesome, um, Isaac. Just chatting and yeah, totally. You know, there we could just go on. Maybe there's some rambling. Yeah. It was a little bit of fun too. Sometimes um, it's nice to listen to rambling, you know? It's good. I actually I actually like that on podcasts because I feel like it's not, you know, so produced, but you're yeah, you feel yeah, like yeah. you're in a conversation with people. Totally. And you know, you, we hope that you enjoyed being along for the ride today with us. And that's good. Um, who knows? We might be back in the saddle again with in doubt. We'll see. But uh it was a pleasure. Isaac, why don't you uh send us out with your old sure. in doubt uh yeah yeah you know, well your, was, your outro maybe it's changed these days but uh i could probably find some scripts on my notes here on my computer oh, but script. i my old scripts i mean i didn't use scripts of course not no 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 no, no you I, had yours memorized i was always impressed <laughs> oh, by yeah, that always no um but i will say this though it's just a way to kind of outro is that i'll speak both daniel and i can speak for andrew and for the ministry of in doubt and even for back to the bible that we will never hold back from preaching uh the blood of jesus um, in that reality and the hope of, of the gospel. Um, and that's just, I want every, every listener to, to know that, that, uh, we can, uh, faithfully speak for Andrew in that sense, that that's the point of this, because without the blood of Jesus, there's no, there is no hope, um, ever. And like Daniel said earlier, um, I'm going to suffer in this life as a Christian and my non-Christian neighbor is going to suffer. And, uh, but who would you rather be the one with hope or the one without hope? And that's the, yeah. that's kind of the, the reality. And because of the blood of Jesus, Daniel and I, Andrew, our kids and all those listening, like you have hope or you can have hope and uh, it's free. And that's the yeah. beauty of the gospel. It's free. It's grace. It's undeserved favor. It's undeserved blessing. It doesn't make any sense to us. And um, so if you're proud, you won't receive the gospel. So humble yourselves uh, like kids, humble yourself and just believe. Yeah. And, yeah. and if you're proud, you will be crushed. Like, yeah. It's, it's coming. Yeah. And you, you will be humbled. That's and, right. And that is, um, it, it's how life works. I think it's yeah. how God works. Yeah, that's right. And, and even as, as Christians, we can be proud and we get crushed. Totally. And it's a good reminder that Amen. actually that's good, I am a disaster. My life isn't perfect. I'll never leave, live a perfect life, but there's one who did. Yes. And, uh, and his Amen. name is Jesus. And that's so, so good. in him, we place our trust and, 
uh, who we follow. Amen. That's so good. Well, thank you everyone Amen. for listening today. Uh, it was a pleasure to be with you and uh, Andrew will be back very soon. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.